Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, the only industrial safety podcast that brings you common sense advice on job site safety, standards, regulations, and industry best practices without putting you to sleep. All right, we're back. Another episode of Dave and Bacon Safety Tales. Oh, coming to you right after, recording after the 4th of July. Post 4th of July. I didn't lose so. anything. I got all my <clears throat> all my fingers and toes. None of my kids have sparkler burns, so I came out. Well, I did burn my arm once yeah. uh, cooking a hog. So what happened there? You got a, quite a quite a gash. Yeah. Well, no, that's a burn. So basically, Ugh. hit a lid that was hot, very hot, and then it goes to blister, and then you know you try to keep it from popping. But <laughs> right. Never Inevitably, works. it is. Yeah. As so. I say, it looks like you're gonna. So. That's gonna be a scar. Yeah, I cut them all over me. So. Yep. Bunch of stupid stuff. Did you life. guys do fireworks? Yeah, we threw a bunch up last night. Oh, at home? You do them yourself? Yeah. You don't go I'm to not, a, it's, You are the show? You don't go to a show? I used to go to shows, but the kids are kind of in those ages where they want to do it. So With their friends? Yeah, so we okay. go by. It's amazing because, you know, me growing up, we, we would buy a gross of bottle rockets, and that was like the best thing ever. Yeah. And you know, so whistle pop, whistle pop, right. pop. Now, I mean, in my neighborhood, I've got you know, you know, like a regular, like a small town's old Fourth of July fireworks right. going off on every street. You know, you consider like last year. I can I was I was in the hospital last year, so I was on the fourth floor of Genesis. Yeah. And it was probably the most spectacular spectacular thing I've ever seen because you have a you can see yeah. everything, and I'm literally like. There's got to be, you know, tens of thousands of dollars every minute just going popping off because popping off you're just watching. Yeah. Because I could see, you know, multiple cities doing theirs and then, you know, every street. I mean, just things just going up everywhere. I don't know how close I'm getting to being able to see fireworks again, but so I got two at home. What, yeah. what is it about? I got to get him to about four, don't I? Uh, it all depends on how they respond and the noise. Yeah, he doesn't mind the noise. It's the being up that late. Oh, well. Yeah, it's the it's the all of a sudden I'm waiting for fireworks and we're melting down because it's yeah. eight thirty and bedtime seven thirty and fireworks aren't starting until nine forty five. Yeah, I mean that's that's a hard one. I mean parents today are a whole lot better about yeah instilled bedtimes, you know. Yeah, you so see that? I, I, I saw think... pictures of the kids on, on uh like Facebook or something like that with the earmuffs on. I'm like I know I never had any no, hearing no, no, protection no, no, on. No. You hear those blasts, but Oh, the, with some of the stuff that we bought, you know uh, I don't know, probably three bucks for one shell to go up, but yeah. I mean them things take off. It's just like Yeah. Man, that's you know, you can see why how to say safety is a huge concern right because i'm like guys y'all got to step back a little bit farther than that i mean <laughs> yeah y'all are like almost like looking down the tube waiting for it to you know shoot right pop, in your face out. and i'm like you know you don't know and i they were trying to do multiples you know so have multiple and i'm like guys this is a cardboard tube when that thing launches out of there it's going to knock the rest of this stuff up it's coming set, that you're setting out and then when one goes and explodes in the garage and literally we have no more house so. <laughs> right you're gonna be crying yeah yeah because yeah, santa's not coming this year no not for a long time so well anyways uh fred redunzel dave white with quad city safety um 
keep doing this podcast, say it every every week, but yeah, please reach out to us um, with questions or anything we can help with safety related. Uh, check out our website, quadcitysafety.com. Uh, every episode of Dave and Bacon Safety Tales is brought to you by quadcitysafety.com. So check it out. Um, today we're going to try and talk a little bit about uh, disposable clothing, disposable protective clothing or chemical clothing. I mean, there's a million names for it out there. Um, paper suits. I was going to say, it starts off with yeah, someone saying, I just need a paper suit or I need Tyvex. Yeah. It's pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah. Is what, what, uh, if you don't have a direct knowledge of what you're talking about, you probably call them Tyvex or paper suits. Yeah. So you kind of want to get into it here. Um, we work with a few different brands. Actually, there's more and more brands, it seems like, every year that try to get into this space. I don't know if it seems like it's easy picking for them to. Uh, it it it's always off. It's oscillated back and forth. Okay. Where you'll have somebody come in there and buy other people, and then it kind of spreads out. And then does Dupont want to sell Tyvek to what they call a converter or just the person that okay cuts the you know ty, the Tyvek that you see on people's that they're putting on people's houses is pretty much the same thing as right. that you're seeing people you know make suits out of so. It's basically who who's given the ability to, to convert, but then you've had all you've had a plethora of people have figured out their own rolled goods, so okay. what they're making the suits out of. So once they figure out a recipe that seems to work okay, then they're they're in the game. Yeah, they launch and then making sure they get the right price point and doing all that stuff. And... Yeah, and then there's we'll, we'll get into it later, but I mean it's they're not all created equal, so it depends on what you're getting in is to what you need and uh i mean you can have disposable suits that are you know expensive and then you can have ones that are you know dollar right so and they might they might look the same they might look exactly they're probably gonna look exactly the same right. a white suit looks like a white suit yeah and when you really start peeling it peeling it apart it's like mm, that's not necessarily the case it's so kind of leads us into the conversation to step one is kind of figuring out what are we protecting against yeah are yeah. we are we talking uh liquids or are we talking particulates right yeah well you got a lot of lot of different things to pay attention to because even you got to think about things that you might be exposed to so yeah the first thing to start with is is it just like dust right or is it actually something that's wet because you kind of have to have that because some of these woven suits, you know, they're great for if, you know, you're crawling around on some dirt or, you know, getting to a crawl space, you know, to have basically a barrier so you don't, you know, mess your clothes up or, you right. know, get, so, so you can come out of the space, take it off and you're... Yeah, keep you're, the rat turds off you when yeah. you're climbing through the attic. But then, um, so you got that base level, which is really not truly a any protection at all it's just basically whether you're being clean or not right and you know then it gets into think about like a booty when like you're uh you know on a construction site and you don't want to go walk in on the carpet you just put their little booty on over your yep. foot so that your shoe doesn't get things so, dirty yeah you know, so it's more of a how to say it's more of a custodial factor than any anything where right has somebody come in there and we're just trying to keep stuff clean yeah and then you get you get into you know oils waters and chemicals 
that then all of a sudden, you know, a little bit nicer suit like Tavec does very well against, you know, you know, waters and oils to where you don't have it seep through where you would put on a, you know, like we were saying, two suits that look pretty close. Right. I mean, you set them side by side. And, yeah, they're a little bit, you know, the feel of the material is a little bit different. But then that's where the uh, rubber meets roads when yeah. you, you get down into that, that puddle of crap and start waddling in it and what happens from there. So you have to pay attention to, and, again, some of that is more centered around um, being clean versus really giving some level of protection. Yeah. Because when you start getting into stuff that you may not, you know, want to get into yourself. I mean, yeah, you could use it, it, I guess, theoretically, you could use it to keep lead off of you. Maybe you're in an environment that there's lead residue and you want to go in and not have it on your clothes when you go home. So having an outer garment might help. Yeah. But let's say that we're around, we're pouring some type of chemical and you want to have protection against the chemical, then then you start entering, you know, Typically, it'll be a coated type suit. You know, okay. it's it's something a little bit more than, you know, a lot of times they'll be yellow. So they'll they'll actually have a, a, a coating over the top of you know a Tyvek or a, a, another material. Um, or even into like spraying, right? Because yep. that that the there's different things that you got to look for when you're spraying something as opposed to dipping your arm in something yep, yep, or yep, even yep. is. Um, are you submerging submerging yourself into something because you know some of them will be okay for contact but you know not if you're going to sit there and bathe if you're swimming around in it you're going to jump in a pool and doggy paddle across it probably wouldn't wear the same thing as you would in other other situations how much do you know about um like the different fabrics like is you know of like a fat i know it's each brand is going to have their proprietary names for what it is but uh, is there like generic terms for sms is a big one that they'll call it okay and basically sms it just means that it's a material with a scrim so when we say scrim it's something to keep it from ripping okay it'll be a base material with like like a woven uh checkerboard in it okay like you'll see stuff that has rip stop or whatever. You'll see that in like clothing to yeah. where it rips one little piece and it doesn't continue because there's, okay. So an SMS will typically be that construction. Okay. The cheap, cheap stuff is usually just, you know, some blown poly. Okay. I mean, so there's nothing special about it. It's just literally they've heated something up and sprayed it against something to make a flat material. Right, and that's more of the keep it off you keep it off of you yeah. yeah we're not really getting a protection factor there we're just trying to keep keep clean or we could be trying to keep you know something that we're you know some kind of particulate that it's airborne in it off of our clothes so we don't leave with it yeah or it can be uh, i guess what's what more like when we're talking about different chemicals i assume then they're going to have more and more aggressive fabrics to withstand certain chemicals and they've all went through uh testing yeah that's so like when they're saying that they'll protect you from a chemical it's because they've treated it with that chemical or tested it with that chemical to uh to make sure that it'll withstand that spray and splash you know just like we were talking is going to yield different suits um but yeah you got to kind of know it's just it's just like a chemical resistant glove when you go to 
to go, what glove do I need here? You, you have to know, well, am I talking that something that's an acid or is it a base? Right. And then how concentrated is this acid or this base to really figure out? And a lot of times, even when you get into, you know, as you start stepping up the, uh, the protection levels, usually you're starting to get into, am I going into a level B situation where I may need, you know, a respirator or I'm in, am I in a level A where I need to have my whole my whole environment is inside the suit so that I'm either supplying air to my little bubble yeah or am I you know maybe I have a SCBA inside my little bubble but I'm all contained in that so again as you start moving up that protection factors typically there's a lot of other things that you're starting to worry about you know uh, maybe I have a chemical suit, but maybe I need to wear gloves with the chemical suit. Well, all of a sudden I got a gap, so do I need to do I need to tape those gloves on? Yeah. Uh, meaning, do I need to make sure that there's not a surface for them to go through? Because like when we were talking about the base level garments, you got different configurations in um, seams, so you can have just a basic heat sealed seam can happen. Or it'll be what's called surged, so it's just it's just literally uh, sewn. Then you may have uh, an issue where you need to worry about chemicals coming through, so they may surge the seams and then tape them. Okay. So they'll actually tape that seam so that you know where it's sewn together, it doesn't seep in on you. So again, knowing what you know and there's some of them too that like they'll even do a second layer then mm -hmm. like it'll be taped and then it'll have something else because they found out that some chemical can start to mess with that tape so the tape might be keeping yeah. chemical a out but chemical b will soak through it and so now they got to do something different with a glue or with a you know a second layer of tape or something like that no doubt about it so so strength would be one thing that they're testing probably puncture and they're testing yeah there's all the, kinds of, i don't remember I saw something the, about a trapezoidal tear that they have to go yeah, on they, through that they, test they try to they, there's a there's a list of tests that they go through and then if they're protecting against something else uh then obviously they would have before they could say that is they would have to test the permeation yeah how long it takes for for it to actually get through there and then you're talking about with those like heavy duty suits that you might be have to take a separate test on uh like protection against like in something that's infectious yeah so i'm just looking here so you they would test abrasion they would test puncture they would uh test it flexing so it, you know how how pliable is it the tensile strength uh, is it anti-static um, and then seam strength, and then then that gets into perme or you know the permeation or resi resistance to the liquid con uh, liquid penetrations. So I mean, there's a whole. Looks like most of them are ISO tests. So I would say, what you do it to one, you have to do it the same to the other. Okay. So I pulled a little chart that 3M did, and I think you gave me one that that Lakeland did as well. But the 3M one, I think, was kind of cool because it starts with, all right, do you require protection from liquids or particulates? And then it's like, yep. and it's a choose-your-own-adventure. So you go, one, you go one direction or you go the other direction. Particulates, then we can talk about uh, 
flame you know flame resistant so heat's going to be a major concern on some of these how hot are you and or are you need an arc flash rated because there's like fire retardant disposable clothing yes, that they is. make too so it could be you're wearing your regular uh, <coughs> fire resistant coveralls my phone just started picking up on everything i was saying i accidentally hit a button on it so there i'm just go. recording my every word um so you might be wearing yeah, your FR have, clothing underneath that are you need. FR, but you can also have CRFR. Yeah. So chemical resistant, flame resistant. Again, stuff that we sell that I would hope that I would never have to put in. Because, yeah. I mean, you're you're talking about some cataclysmic events that you're preparing that you have potential for. Right. But I think that that you no. Know, an FR situation, you know, a lot of people think I'm wearing my FR clothing. I just put this suit on top of it, and then all of a sudden your suit melts. Yeah. So you're not thinking about this disposable suit that you're putting on that also needs to be that. Um, breathability, I think that's going to be a major concern depending on what job, what job you're doing. Does the can it breathe? Um, um, first they are, off, they're doing some pretty cool stuff out there now in the you know, like open backs you'll see yeah so it'll be it'll be uh you know a tyvek suit but then in the back where there's no you know how to say not zero potential but less potential to have any mat you know stuff maybe splash on the front of it right you so you so you're not in this because most most any suit is going to be hot you know just inherently it's like you know it's like throwing on one of those uh jumpers when you were a kid you know little zip up things you were either sweating and needed to come out of it or you're just right right or a a wrestling a wrestling suit when you see like the wrestlers trying to lose that weight and they put on something that looks like a tyvek suit like comes over the top they seal it up tight they tape it around their wrists tape it around their ankles that that gets into another thing that we didn't really get into is is there's all kinds of configurations of does it have a hood does it not have a hood yeah Booties. Uh, are, are, does it have just straight, uh, meaning no elastic in the wrist, no elastic in the ankles? Or does it have elastic in the wrist and in the ankles? Maybe it has an attached boot so that it maybe it doesn't have an attached boot. Maybe it's a regular zipper. Maybe it's a sealed, you know, it's got a storm fly and tape that goes over it. So there's, right. there's a ton of concerns. Something that might go better with a respirator. Correct. That might, you know, go around that. Yeah, chemical gloves, or do you want it to go over your boots? Do you, can your boots be exposed? Yeah. Um, isn't it? There's like booties that go inside your boots, right? To protect your feet, but your boot goes on the outside of it. There's, it just depends what you're in. And then pretty much all of this stuff. And that's why you need a safety professional to, to uh, help you out to work with you. Yeah. Um, is any, I guess anything that's disposable. Not doesn't necessarily have to be. I guess if it's disposable, it's going to be a one-time use sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But so that's why not all protective clothing is the same. So there is like a, I know they're super expensive, like level whatever level A suits. A lot of those are reusable. That's reusable. Yeah. But most of your stuff is you use it once. Whatever you were protecting yourself from probably was on the suit. You throw it away and you get yeah. another one. Yeah. So unless you're just wearing it to you know again just to keep the dirt off okay i guess doesn't matter at that point in time but if you're actually wearing it i want to be on the other side of what that is yeah 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 
Um, I know I had a customer that they'd buy one size of suit and then it seemed like they would tape it for like their smaller employees. Have you ever heard of anybody doing that? Like they're like, we buy three X. We don't have anyone yeah, bigger than three X. It's not uncommon gotta, for people to buy the biggest that somebody is. Because you're buying them in cases everybody. of twenty five or buying them in cases of yeah. forty or whatever it is to do that. But one of the the quotes that was in one of these that I was reading was, "If all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail." And so you might need different suits for different applications depending on what the work work is. And if every suit is just a white, plain suit that doesn't look anything different yeah. from one another, how do your guys really know what they're getting into? So um, I think coloring, color coding. I've be, heard of a lot great. of people do a color coding. Yeah. Like if they're just doing a poly polyprope, they might do the blue. Yeah. And then something that's got more protection might be a white suit. Um, could be a configuration of hoods or something that's or like those breathable those breathable suits that you were mentioning I, I don't even know what brand it is but some of them have where the breathable section on the back is blue yeah so the suits all white but there's a triangle on the back where that thing breathes that's blue so that would give you good awareness to say that suit that they're wearing is the breathable version and maybe if you're in something where the chemical that you're working with would permeate the back of that suit you'd know oh okay he's in the green suit right there yeah so, or he's in the suit that's got a hood on it. His hood's up, so we know he's using the right suit here. So, um, I don't know. What else you got? You got anything else on uh, the protective clothing aspect? Um, just one, just to keep in mind is, you know, the starting to see a little bit more in the, the FR series because people are decked out in, you know, 200 and something dollars worth of daily wear. And then they're in, you know, doing a nasty job or whatever. Right. And they're it's getting they're ruined. getting that oils and stuff into their FR clothing, which really negates what you're trying to do there. Because despite the fact that the material is FR, doesn't negate the fact that oil can still, you know, oily and oily aerosols can still catch fire. So using those uh, that outer protection to, again. Yeah, it, if there's if there's a flash fire, they're still rated to help that. But trying to keep stuff out of your daily wear is is huge because I see people all the time that you kind of look at it and you're like, you know how you can kind of see a stain that looks like it's probably oil, right? And I see a lot of that in you know FR daily wear, and it's like if you went the reason that you're wearing it, if that happens, that's an ignition source, right? So it doesn't, I mean, the FR clothing is not going to put out the oil fire on your pants. So just, just to point that out, that we're seeing more people use those in you know, refinery situations. And um, one thing else that I did want to note, too, is that most every single brand that's out there that sells this type of clothing has on their website, or they'll probably ship it to you, or get in contact with us, and we'll get one in your hands, but... Um, a selection guide that'll have a list of the 30 chemicals that you know they most likely are going to be dealing with and what suit you need for that particular chemical yeah. and, and then it's going to be what part what are you protecting yourself from so um let me see here if i had uh i think i had a little note here that said where's it at okay so whether you're dealing with uh chlorine or uh two 
I'm gonna do one that I can pronounce. Hydrogen chloride or uh, sulfuric acid. Was it toluene? Yeah, I can't ever pronounce it. Toluene. So yeah, try not to. There's no reason for me to give an example of something I can't pronounce. But um, yeah, so if you're working with these chemicals, a lot of they're already probably figured out. They've probably already done the research to figure out what suit you need. Yeah, you just need to know why you're wearing it, and then tell us why, what why you're wearing it, and then. We can help you figure it and out. How you might there. come in contact with that uh, yeah. chemical. Because I know that's a big, I know every time that I'll bring something up like that to you, you'll be like, well, is it, so, are they getting overspray there? Are they coming in direct contact with it? Is it getting, are they getting their hands dipped in it? You yeah. know, when we're talking, a lot of times it seems like it's gloves, but it's yeah. like, do they put their hands submerged in that stuff or yeah, is it overspray? It's a, to- it's a two totally different things that are happening to the garment. Yeah. Does the palm come in contact? Because otherwise we would just sell hand. you something that's CRFR and, you know, probably yeah. $1,000 for the suit. And Cover yeah, it all. Yeah, it does all that. Don't, right. worry, don't worry about it. You can wear it anywhere. Yeah. Halloween to now. Um, so, yeah, I think that's about what we got on that topic. So I didn't write down a, uh, a dumb ass of the week this week. but you, You've seen him in the newspaper, though. Who's that? How many people have gotten their fingers blown off with fireworks and everything well that's what i got uh i got a whole list here at the end of it that we'll go over um of uh fireworks accidents it's just right on our on our sheet here it just says firework accidents on the end okay (laughs) but um no for a dumbass i was thinking of somebody that wears this clothing and i know it's it seems like it's a lot of painters that come in contact with they'll put a certain type of suit on um that does not give them the protection level that they need like a painter uh, a regular person that paints houses or a regular person that like if you painted your house you wouldn't put on protective clothing most likely you're just going to put on your old jeans and your old uh t-shirt from when you played football in 1992 and uh -hmm. that's what you're going to wear when you do your painting so these guys that are doing like industrial painting they're just going to grab a paper suit to keep them clean. And then all of a sudden they go and they're using their sprayers on the house and they take off their suit at the end of the day. They take a look at their clothing completely covered in paint because they weren't wearing the, the correct suit for paint. Cause the, especially in like a spray paint situation, you get all that blowback. It goes right through your, right through the suit. That's not meant to protect you from spraying liquids. And all of a sudden you're, uh, Mad. you're upset that you ruined your Z Cavaricci jeans. I don't even know what that means. Uh, I was like a real popular jean when I was in high school, like 20 years ago. Okay. Hot chicks would be wearing Z Cavaricis. I couldn't, you couldn't afford them. You had been college age for you then. Probably. Yeah. So anyways. So. Everything was Levi's and. <sighs> Levi's still holds up. No, I'm just saying that's, I would I didn't know what brands were. I wasn't, wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Everyone had the, the farmer style yeah. pant that you got at Farm and Fleet, or I don't think they were that bad. What's the <laughs> feel like sports or whatever? Feel like sandpaper, <laughs> Anya. Yeah, you're. Uh... <laughs> well, hell, like you buy anything from Carhartt, man, it's got about a year wear in. Yeah, but then it's good for the next twenty five. Right. So you spend a little bit more. Like you but... see the guys that got one that's getting ready to fall apart. It's like how many generations did it take y'all to get this jacket that destroyed? Yeah. Oh, I just had, I was just sitting here. All this, I know I'm getting old at 35, but I just moved my leg and my knee popped. 
just from moving my leg like three inches back. So I'm starting to get to that that old age where you start having random injuries that uh, don't make any sense. Like you go bowling and then you wake up the next day and you're trying to figure out why your hamstring's all sore and you're like, oh yeah, it's my bowling method that yeah. I used. Have to go through the efforts. Yeah, I've got a, a hip that I don't know keeps getting stiff, so I have to stretch it out every morning so I don't look like I'm hobbling. And my wife has, um, she's she's got the old lady knees that the weather changes oh. a little bit like it's good. she's like rain's mom. coming <laughs> rain's coming her knee starts hurting yeah. and her mom's like you're too you're too old for or you're too young to have that happen to you nope it's coming so anyways let's move on to uh our little q a for the day i got a couple questions here that two of them are submitted one i did a little bit of research on and found that the question was out there so um we'll ask those so number one I have an employee that wears an extra small high-vis vest. Is there is there a concern that she won't have enough reflective material to be compliant for high-vis? Um, not if it's not if it's marked that it's ANSI 107 whatever class. Basically, when they revised the last revision of the standard, that was one of the problems. Is pursuant to the standard, you had to have so many square inches of background material whether it's green or orange. Yeah. And the problem was you couldn't get anything below a small because you couldn't get enough background material, so nobody made it. So yeah. you still had these little, you know, pretty thin people, you know, yeah. walking around and, you know, having this big dress hanging off of them. So they kind of hit that in the standard is, yes, you can get smaller vests. Um, there still is a requirement of how many square inches of background material is I don't know exactly what that is but again as long as it's marked with that ANSI 107 and what the class is then you, you should be okay you'd be in compliance all right um number two what does an LEL sensor on a gas monitor actually detect so I had a I had that question from a customer this week I, I don't even remember it was like what's pH3 pH3 something I don't remember what it is whatever that stands for, I think it was pH 3. They were looking to detect some of that, and they were, uh, or they were in an area. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Anyway, an LEL sensor doesn't cover it, and they were under the impression that it did cover whatever that is. So, um, but come to find out, it did not cover that. So what does an LEL sensor actually cover? This is something that I've been around six years and I just know, oh, it's got, they need LEL, but I don't even know really what LEL it does. stands for lower explosive limit. Okay. And basically it's dealing with the whole fire triangle. So when we say the fire triangle, to start a fire, you need a couple things. You need oxygen, you need a fuel source, and you need an ignition. Mm -hmm. And so basically what that sensor's sensors doing is um, there are LEL sensors now that are infrared so they do it a little bit different than the traditional but the so uh, the traditional being the catalytic bead sensor so basically all it is trying to do is mimic little miniature explosions so it's looking for a VOC a volatile organic compound so something that's you know uh, gonna blow up if you know kind of the whole lighter fluid thing okay and then testing to see if it's if you're getting a concentration to where you're approaching that lower explosive limit where you think that you could have a potential 
to blow something up and it can be methane pentane you know anything really with an ane ane is you know going to be a volatile organic compound and can can blow up so that's what their traditional catalytic sensor beads looking for the infrared is quite a bit different but i'm still not sold on those yet okay phosphine by the way yeah it's phosphine i looked it up on my phone while you were talking that was that that was close. Uh, definitely went FOSS. We definitely started FOSS. I don't know how we finished off. Okay. But. So, all right, the last the one. So. Yeah. <laughs> you be the judge. <laughs> Let us know what we said. Uh, the last one I had was, do particulate respirators have a specific service life? Uh, not really. Because when you talk about service life, there's, yeah, there's so many things that go into it. But just the general rule of thumb is, if you if it's getting harder for you to breathe through, it's probably at the end of its service life. Um, typically, you're never going to use a disposable to the end of its service life because how to say they're kind of spongy. So as you're blowing humidity out of it, if you don't have like a valve on it, yeah, you're you're putting a lot of uh, a lot of what comes out of you is moist, moist warm air comes out of the body, yeah, which causes a respirator to plug up quicker but no there's not any real specific guidelines that says four hours and throw it away so in your opinion a a disposable is it just i mean at the end of the day you throw it away right or do you try would you you don't save them you wouldn't put it i mean i've seen people put things in plastic bags and try and do that but usually that'd be like a cartridge not necessarily a disposable respirator you're yeah use it once throw it away that's thus the disposable yeah I mean, that's the main reason to go from a disposable to a half face or a full face is if you're wearing it over time. Okay. And you want to get, you know, more uses out of it. Cool. All right. I'm going to hit the the thing also is, yes, you do still have to fit test them. Yeah. The disposables. If it's a a NIOSH-approved respirator, if it starts with an N95 or an N99 or a P99 or a blah, 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 blah. Still have people that want to say, no, you don't have to do that. Yeah, you you really do. Because they do make different sizes. They do fit people's faces differently. Correct. So, anywho, we'll close up that box until next week. And so, before we leave here, since it was 4th of July yesterday, I did see a couple of two fingers blown off uh, type of type of thing. So I kind of did a quick Google search and I found a, a list that Vice put together for a collection of dumb, dangerous, and avoidable fireworks accidents. So the first one that they had was um, that in Columbia. This one's Columbia, so you know that's all by the book when they do yeah. it there, was that they, they had fireworks and they were storing gunpowder in the same place. And gunpowder got ignited, and so all the fireworks in the place went up, and the building blew up. So, but this is one I've actually seen multiple times with my own two eyes. But the 21-year-old Brooklyn man lost his right finger after some fireworks exploded in his hand. He was reportedly smoking a cigar at the time. So, holding the unlit fireworks, smoking a cigar, lit the fireworks with his cigar, blew up, explodes in his hand. So, I got a child drops firecracker on a manhole and then flew through the air, flew 10 feet up in the air when it went off. Well, it says, boy was hurled 10 feet in the air after lighting a firecracker on top of a manhole. Um, 
that's yet another thing. That, I mean, if you would have had your monitor, that one of the questions was just LED, yeah. that's where an LEL sensor, yeah. you know, if they'd kind of had an, an LEL sensor would have gone. We have something coming out of the manhole that's going to blow up. Yeah, yeah. sort of a buildup of B-I-O-G-A-S's in the sewer. So whatever that means. Um, there's one 2016 uh, in Chicago. All of a sudden, somebody's dog came running up to them. They, they thought went with it, and they had someone's hand. It was carrying someone's hand that had been blown off. Um yeah, basically a half stick of dynamite basically was right by them, and that's what exploded and blew off someone's hand. And then their dog came and brought it back. Fetch. So it blew it off of them and then spot retrieved it and I brought think it, it back. Were, I think brought took it to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> they showed, expected him to walk up with a tennis ball and they have someone's hand. Yeah, they got, looked at it and go, drop, drop. God, oh! Goddamn alligator got my hand in the ninth fairway. Yeah. So, uh... It was earlier this year, uh, 600 sparklers were ignited in a Texas man's trunk. He was in a parking lot showing friends all the fireworks he planned to light at midnight when someone lit a rocket uh, nearby. The car only sustained major paint damage, but pretty good night for that guy. Um, have you ever seen a sparkler bomb? No. I was introduced to those a couple of years ago. Okay. They just Before, tie them all together? Horrible. Yeah, you put a group of them together, and then you take electrical tape. And you go around, you, you keep going around them, and you build a lineup, and you just leave one of the ends of one of them sticking out, and that's your fuse. And the whole thing is when you light that, it, then it gets in there and it lights the rest of those sparklers. Yeah. Well, there's a ton of gas that comes off. I mean, a ton. Okay. And all of a sudden, I mean, it sounds like a stick of dynamite going off. It's unbelievable. You should actually Google, check it out. You should check that out on YouTube. All right. And the last one that was on there was, uh, this is just about, that doesn't even make sense. It was a NASCAR driver that they did uh, a fireworks celebration after he won the race and one of them hit him in the ass. So, <laughs> so burned his ass. Check, checkered flag. Car was okay, though. Um, and then there was one that was, uh, and I've actually seen something similar to this happen, but it was where the entire fireworks show caught they so they had all their fire their pile that they were going to have this 15 minute show on and they all lit at the same time and just exploded at once and so this 15 minutes fireworks show lasted about 20 seconds where you've seen something like that happen where it's supposed to be like a grand finale and all oh. of a sudden it gets lit and they all shoot up in the air at the same time and you're like wah, wah, wah. yeah so yeah anything else to touch on for the day no no good to go all right well, that's it we uh I uh, really appreciate everyone listening to us uh, on this holiday week, which by the time you guys get this, it'll be August. So yeah. enjoy our fireworks stories in August. <laughs> um, so hope you guys stay tuned for next week's episode. Uh, we just want to help everybody make it home safe. Um, so that's great. We appreciate you listening. Uh, safety's got no quitting time until next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening in to Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, brought to you by Quad City Safety. Send us your questions on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter at Quad City Safety, hashtag Safety Tales, or email them to Fred at quadcitysafety.com. He's the guy keeping this mess of a show in line. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's a kick-ass way to show that you care about safety.